Good, Janine. Thank you. Isn't that a beautiful song? Can we stand together? And I want to share a word with you today. I'm going to talk about two senior citizens. Now, in the first service, I think even on our announcements at the end, they say that um, our, um, what do we call the prime timers, start at 55 and older. And when I heard that, I decided to change the age. 65 and over. Because I used to talk about those prime timers way out there. No more. But I'm going to talk to you about two senior citizens today who postured themselves, positioned themselves for an encounter with God. Now, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with America. America has not had an encounter with God in a long time. One encounter with God can change everything. You know what I wish for you for the new year? That you, every one of you, would have a fresh encounter with God. Not living on yesterday's fumes, not driving on empty, but a fresh encounter with God. For some of us, it's been too long and it needs to happen. And you know, it's a shame that it hasn't, but it will because God hasn't run out of blessing. So I'm going to talk about this, these two senior citizens who had an encounter with God in the temple. They were chosen of God to see the baby Jesus. But when you look at their life, what we're going to see is that this wasn't by mistake, by accident. They had lived a life that set them up for an encounter with God. How many of you want to be set up in a good way for an encounter with God? All right. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are a God of fresh blessing, fresh vision, fresh hope, fresh faith, a fresh move. And Lord, in a nation that is quickly slipping into the abyss of confusion, moral confusion, financial chaos, yet your people are your people. And they live in the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this world. So Lord, position us today posture us, prepare us for an encounter with God. Now, will you breathe a prayer and really mean it from your heart and say, Lord, I want to be set up for a blessing. I want to be set up for a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him you are set up. You're set up. Set up for a blessing. Now, we've seen in this series that we've done on Christmas, as a matter of fact, this is the fifth one and the last one, but we've talked so far about the impossible conception, and it is a miracle the way Jesus was conceived. I've shared with you that Christianity rests or walks on the legs of two miracles, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. You can't get near Christianity without encountering the supernatural. So, hate to break it to our rationalist atheist, agnostic friends who say there's nothing real unless you can sense it, you're wrong. There is a fourth dimension 
the spirit dimension. It's where the angels are. It's where the cherubim dwell and the seraphim. It's where God dwells and Christ dwells and the Holy Ghost moves. It's where there is an enemy, demon spirits, the hierarchy of satanic structure, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. All these things are beyond the sight of our natural eyes, but they are there. And so we find that when we come to the Christmas story, the story of Jesus, the actual account, he was born of a virgin, supernaturally conceived of the Holy Ghost. That was the impossible conception. Then the improbable journey, when Joseph and Mary had to load up their stuff, put nine-month pregnant Mary on that donkey, and go 80 miles to Bethlehem in order to take part in the census. It was an improbable journey. And then we looked at the impractical arrival. When they got there, there wasn't any room for them in the inn. And we talked about that. And then the incredible birth of Jesus. Now today, I'm going to talk to you about the rapturous response. How two people responded. One is named Simeon, and the other is named Anna. One older man and one older woman. This ought to be good news for every seasoned citizen in here, because just because you're retired doesn't mean you're resigned from the kingdom of God. So can I have an amen from some of our 65 and older? All right. Now, let me just read to you a brief synopsis of Simeon and Anna. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now, look at this man. Listen to what it says about him. Righteous, devout, and eagerly waiting for God to move. That's the way he lived. Now, he's a Holy Ghost man. Listen to the way it describes the Holy Spirit dealing with him. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a promise. One day, Simeon is just sitting there. The Holy Ghost is upon him, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Guess what? You're not going to die. Your heart's not going to stop. You're not going to glory until you have seen with your natural eye the Lord's Christ. And don't you know he went, Wow, really? Okay. And he began to look for it and expect it and wait for it and anticipate it. But then it says the Holy Spirit led him into the temple when he did see the baby Jesus. So this man had the Holy Ghost on him, the Holy Ghost speaking to him, and the Holy Spirit leading him. What a man. That's the way I want to live. Young or old, that's the way I want to live. And how about you? I want to live with the Holy Ghost on me, with the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me. So that's your little biographical sketch of Simeon. Then we come to Anna. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 36, that Anna was a prophetess and was also there in the temple when Jesus was brought in as a baby. The Bible makes a point she was very old. Now I know what you're wondering. What does the Bible consider very old? Well, it says 84 here. 
I didn't say that. The Bible said it. Don't look at me, some of you. Then, then it says her husband died when they had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never remarried. She sought God, dedicated her life to God. She never left the temple, the Bible says, but stayed there day and night, a real true church woman. And then it closes out saying, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. What a picture of these two seasoned citizens. Simeon, a Holy Spirit man. Anna, fasting, praying, always in the church house, seeking God, dedicated to God. These two are the ones that God chose to be able to see and recognize and celebrate the baby Jesus when he was brought into the temple. Those two got put into the eternal word of God because they were set up for an encounter with God. When you have an encounter with God, it's usually not an accident. When you have an encounter with God, faith has been exercised. Obedience has been observed. Now, I want to take these two people, and I want to share with you a few things they did to set themselves up for an encounter with God. And I want to encourage you, dear sir, brother in Christ, you need an encounter with God this year. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a church barely hanging on in 2013. I want to be a devil-stomping, God-praising, Jesus-preaching, victorious church in 2013. But to do that, to be there, we're going to have to set ourselves up, position ourselves for an encounter with God. Now, let me share with you what I draw from their life. First, I see in Simeon and Anna that we must be in line with God's will if we want to be set up for an encounter with God. In line with God's will. When somebody comes to me and says, man, pastor, my life is a mess. Things are going wrong. Uh, all kinds of stuff is going crazy. It's like the devil is winning the day. The first thing I want to know is, tell me about your spiritual walk. I don't want to know about all the peripheral stuff. I want to know, are you in line with God's will? Are you walking with God? Are you right with God? Are you obeying the Lord? That's the foundation of any encounter with God. To be out of God's revealed will is to throw everything else out of order. If you're out of God's will, then you have no guarantee that anything else is in his will. Listen, the most important thing in your life and mine is our personal walk with God. That's it. When you get that right, everything else has a way of falling into place. And Jesus said so. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. The whole circumference of your life will come together and be blessed of him. The foundation of an encounter with God is to be right with God. Hebrews says, make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Now we're told about Simeon that he was righteous. Now, when that word righteous is used, it's talking about his outward lifestyle, his outward morality. He was outwardly demonstrating his love for God. When you looked at Simeon, you didn't have to wonder where he was with God. His lifestyle said, I am walking with God. I'm a man of God. I'm after God. And my lifestyle reflects it. 
observers had no problem seeing where Simeon stood in his devotion to God because they saw his lifestyle. You know, church, we ought to look different from the world. We ought to talk different from the world. We ought, we ought to be different from the world. We are not of the world. We ought to be different. And how can we preach anything about a life-changing, transforming God if we don't look like we've been changed or transformed? We are the people of God, chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, set-apart people, that we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Simeon, when you looked at him, you said, he's different. His lifestyle is godly. He's a lover of God. But then there's more than that. It says he was devout. And when you talk about devout, you're talking about somebody's inside walk. In other words, integrity. He was the same person within that he was without. What you saw was what you got. You didn't get a song and dance routine. Well, I believe in God, but then I see you Monday through Friday and you're not walking with him. What you saw, you got. When Simeon said, I love the Lord, it came out of a heart that was right with God, that was walking with God. Everything this man knew to do to be right with God, he did it. And I want to say to some of you that are in a real situation in your life right now, and you don't know what to do, and it does seem like the enemy is winning the day. Can I tell you what you do do? Here's what you do. You do what you know to do. Obey God. Get right. Walk with him. Say, Lord, if there's any area of my life that's not right with you, help me to bring it into line with the will of God. That's what Simeon did. He was sitting there waiting for the promise that God had given him to come to pass, and he was living the way he knew he should. Now, the second thing we learn from Simeon and Anna is to remember to pray. Not just be right with God and walk with God and do the right thing, but pray. They were prayers. Simeon and Anna were prayers. Prayer is not real complicated, folks. It's simply communicating with God. It's just talking to God. You don't have to put on a religious face to go to God. It's not, oh Lord, if thou wouldest, thou couldest and shouldest and these and thous and all this Old English religious talk. That's not what you have to do when you go to prayer. Tell God how you feel. The Bible says, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Tell him the truth. There's not one thing you're going to tell God that's going to shock God. Tell him what you feel. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you need. Tell him your heart's desire. Seek God. Pray to God. It's just communicating with him. You know, you're never going to have a relationship with anybody that you don't communicate with. I make a point of people out of my past who I want to continue a relationship with, I stay in touch with them. I email them, call them, text them, tweet them, twerp them, whatever you do these days. And I stay in touch because I know if I don't communicate, I'm gonna lose that relationship. It's the same with God. Prayer is communicating with God. It's just talking to God. Walking down the road like you're walking with a friend. Hey, Lord, here's the desire of my heart. This week I went down into prayer and, and I just said, Lord, I'm here because I'm going to tell you what's on my heart. Here's what I really want to see before I come home to you. Now, I'm not imminently going home that I know anything about. Some of you are looking at me like, did you get a bad report or something? No. 
I just know that time is short and life is short and then you die and you go to heaven. And life flies by in decades and I want some things to happen. There's some things I'm believing God for. And I just went to him and I said, Lord, here's what's on my heart and here's the way I feel. And this is what I want to see. And Lord, this is what I'm struggling with. And Lord, this is, this is my heart's desire. And this is my passion. And this is what I want to happen in my life before I come home. And it was like God said, I hear you. Thanks for coming to me. Thanks for talking to me. And suddenly there was peace all around me. I prayed to the Lord. Prayer set Simeon and Anna up for a God encounter. If you're a prayer, you're in line for an encounter with God. He's going to move in your life. The Bible says of Anna, she prayed day and night. She was a prayer warrior. Anna prayed constantly, day and night, night and day. She was in the temple seeking God, giving him her heart, giving him her petitions. You know why some of you are so down and so blue? Because you haven't taken your cares to God. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything, not some things, everything to God in prayer. Simeon and Anna were praying people. And then a third thing I see is to remember to worship. They were worshipers. Folks, I tell you, there's nothing more glorious than learning how to worship God. Do you know what worship does for the Lord? It brings pleasure to God. Did you know that? Did you know that when you worship God, you bring pleasure to God? And then when you bring pleasure to God, he blesses you. For he inhabits, lives in, dwells in, pitches tent in the praises of his people. Do you know that worship is the way we practice the presence of God? We ought to worship all the time, not just Sunday mornings for one hour. This, this ought to be an overflow. We ought to come in here on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, and when we praise God, it ought to be an overflow of what we've been doing all week long. That's how revival breaks loose. We don't come in here and say, Pastor, you better preach me up, man. Or to the song leader, you better sing me up because I'm down. No, we come in full of the Holy Spirit, having worshiped God all week long. We're full of his presence and it flows out and gushes out. And when church is that way, it flows into the streets, the highways and the hedges, and it touches people. Remember to worship. The Bible says in Psalms 147 verse 11, The Lord is pleased with those who worship him and trust his love. And Jesus said that the Father is seeking, searching for, looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And one of these days, I'm going to have a little exercise with some of you men. Now, let me just pick on you men just a little bit, just a few of you. Hope you don't take this personally. If you get offended, I'm sorry. But I got to tell the truth. Some of you men, you got to learn to get your hands up. Well, Pastor Jeff, now just leave me alone. It's, it's good that I'm even here. I mean, it's a major breakthrough that I made it to church. Don't, don't talk to me about getting my hands up. Listen, do you know that I found when I first came to Christ and I went into a Bible study and there was a bunch of men with their hands up, I thought, what a bunch of sissies. That looks so bad. That's not masculine. That's, that's not macho. But then, then I found myself going half-masked. And when I got half-masked, I got about half-blessed. 
But then I remember one night, I really do, I remember it distinctly. All these guys were in this living room and they were worshiping God and their hands up and tears streaming down their cheek. And I looked around, I said, well, nobody's looking. Everybody's looking up, so I'm gonna give it a shot. And up my hands went. And it was like antenna went up. It was like a lightning rod went up. And God's power touched me. And I found that this is a way that a man surrenders to God. When the hands go up, the will goes down. So one of these days, I'm just going to say, men, I want every man in here to raise your hands. And some of you are going to say, well, that's the last time I'll be in that church. Well, you ought to come again because we're going to get you where your hands are up and you're being blessed and you're walking with God. Real men worship God. And that's free. And I hope you will come back. I love all you men. Well, I just wasn't raised like that. I was raised in a denominational church and we just didn't do that. Well, you can do it now. Well, I don't have to. No, you get to. You get to. Worship is a way of life. Worship for Simeon and Anna was not sporadic. They didn't just do it on Sunday mornings. It was a lifestyle. The Bible says that Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God. That tells me you can't get Jesus in your arms and not praise God. Closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to praise the Lord. And I guarantee you conversely that an unthankful person devoid of worship is a person far away from God. You want to get close to God, worship. If you want to really know the Lord, worship. If you want to find your calling, become a worshiper of God. That's free. The Bible says that Anna worshiped God day and night. A lifestyle. There's no downtime. There's no vacation time from worshiping. Worship is not confined to an hour or a church service. Listen, in the Bible, they praise God at work. They praise God at home. They praise God in battle. They praise God in jail. They worship God. And when they worship God in jail, the original jailhouse rock happened. God sent an earthquake. Why? Because they were worshiping God and God said, I can't take it. There's my children down there in shackles praising me and they didn't do anything wrong. And he sent an angel and every prison door flew open and every chain fell off their hands. That's a picture of what worship does. It sets you free. Now, there's another thing I learned from them, from Simeon and Anna, not just to pray, not just to worship, not to, just to be in the middle of God's will, but also to remember to be in God's house. Remember to be in God's house. Worship is both private and it's public. I worship God all the time. I practice. I've made it one of my goals to practice the presence of God. And so I practice the presence of God in the car, in my house. Wherever I happen to be, I just worship God. When I don't sense his presence, I begin to worship God. And as I worship God, his presence falls. And his presence surrounds me because he inhabits the praise of his people. And that's private. But we're also to be involved in public worship. And that's why church is important. The Bible says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You probably know some of them. They say, well, you know what? I just kind of outgrew church. I had somebody tell me that recently. They really did. Hadn't seen them in a while. 
I call them. Where are you been? Well, you know what? We just feel like we've outgrown church. We've, we've gotten some revelations. And we just don't feel that the church, any church, is on the level we are. So we have been forced just to kind of isolate and seek God alone. And I thought, how deceived can you be? Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Most of you have started a fire during this very cold weather. And you have noticed that when the logs are separate, they die. And when you put burning logs together, they roar into a raging fire. It's the same with the people of God. You say, well, I just can't go and look at all those hypocrites. Really? Well, forgive us our hypocrisy. And may one hypocrite say to another, come join us. Because nobody lives a perfect life. But I want to tell you, we love the Lord. We do our best. We're seeking the face of God. And we invite you to join us. And if you're so far beyond us, come and teach us. I see people with a very casual, take it or leave it attitude toward church. But the Bible says, don't quit meeting together as the habit of some is, but encourage one another. That means we inflame one another. We stoke the flame of one another. We are one another's bellows. We, we, we cause the fire of Christ to burn more brightly in each other. And all the more as you see the day of Jesus' return approaching. Let me tell you, he is near. He's at the very door. And I have never seen anybody get out of church that they did not drift from God. Let me tell you, why did God give the church? To keep God's people from backsliding. To keep God's people from drifting. We need one another. I need you. You need me. I need you to say to me, Pastor Jeff, walk with God. I uh, texted a pastor last night. I said, listen. Be encouraged. Stand in that pulpit and preach Jesus with all of your heart. He wrote me back and said, thanks for the encouragement. That's the job of the body of Christ. I'm encouraging you right now, stoking you right now, blowing the flame of God into a raging fire right now in you. We need one another. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Now turn the other side and say, I need you too. If you know people that have gotten out of the habit of church, don't learn from them. Pray for them, but don't learn from them. If they tell you, oh, I'm doing great without church, it's not true, it can't be true, or the word of God is a lie, so don't follow them. Uh, Where was Simeon? When he encountered Jesus, he was in the temple, he was in church. Verse 27 of Luke 2 says, Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple, and that's the church. The Spirit said, Simeon, go into the temple. And in the temple, by the Spirit, he had an encounter with Jesus. Where was Anna when she encountered Jesus? Verse 37 says, she did not depart from the temple. She was in church. Church is where Simeon and Anna both were when they had their encounter with Jesus Christ. When you come together with us and we worship together, I'm telling you, you're set up for an encounter with God. Amen. And some of you listening by radio, if the church you're in is so cold, you could ice skate to your seat. You need to get out of there. 
and find a church that loves the Lord, preaches Jesus, and is alive. And then I, I see something else with Simeon and Anna, very important. They teach us to remember to hope, to not give up hope. See, to see Jesus was Simeon's great hope. God had said to him, you're not going to die till you see him. His great hope, his life's passion was to see Jesus before he died, to see Jesus before his heart stopped. And he didn't let hope die. When he saw Jesus, he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. This had been his burning hope. And he did not let hope die, even though he waited and waited. And some of you are waiting and waiting and waiting. And it seems like your time is not God's time. And you're right. It seems like God is taking forever. And it does seem that way. But Simeon teaches us, don't give up hope. Anna was the same way. She'd been a widow for years. She was married to the love of her life for only seven years when he died. She could have become bitter. She could have said, well, this is what I get for serving you, Lord. I get the love of my life and he lives seven years and dies and that's it. Thanks, God. I believe I'll leave church. That's the way some people do. But not... Anna, instead of breaking away from God, she broke toward God. Instead of running from God, she ran to God. She totally dedicated her life to God with praying, fasting, and attending to the temple. And boy, was her hope rewarded. She essentially said what we always say, God is good all the time. And though I lost my man, though I lost my marriage, Though I'm alone now, I'm not alone. And I believe I'm serving a good God, a God who rewards those who diligently seek him. And what does she get? One day she's in the temple. She knew Simeon. Simeon knew her. She was always in there. And she saw Simeon run towards a couple and take the child out of the mother's hand and hold that child up and say, now I can depart in peace for I've seen the Christ. And it says, Anna rejoiced and told everybody about what she had seen. Her hope in God was greatly rewarded. And I want to say one more thing about this couple, Simeon and Anna. How do you set yourself up for an encounter with God? Get right with God? Pray, worship, stay in church. Don't let your hope die. And then... Talk about Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If you won the lottery today, would you tell anybody about it? If you won the lottery today, would you just say, well, praise God. Let's talk about that Powerball, half a billion dollars. If you won that today, I hope you would tithe. I'm just throwing that in. Because we would receive it. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how he got it, but just if you won the Powerball, you better tie, dude. I'll come looking. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go buy a lotto ticket. Pastor told me if I won, bless God, that gives me the liberty. No, I've never bought one in my life. But if you do, would you keep it quiet? 
Now, I know what you would do. You would head straight for that Lexus dealer. You would pick out that Lexus, and then you'd head for the finest side of town and look at those homes, and you would burn the phone up alive telling everybody what you had found. Do you know that that's exactly the way Simeon and Anna felt when they found the baby Jesus? They went and they told everybody. Simeon went up to Joseph and Mary, held the baby up, gave God praise for it, and then prophesied to Mary. Anna told everyone what she had found, gave thanks to God, and spoke of Jesus to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. If a church really feels like it's been blessed, it will talk. A blessed church is a talking church. We have found the pearl of great price. We have found the bread of life. We have found the living waters. We are rich beyond compare. Tell somebody about it. Amen? Let's stand together, can we? Let me summarize quickly what we learned from them. If you want to be, have an encounter with God, how many of you do? If you want to be set up for a miracle, let me see your hand. Now watch this. Then be in God's will. Every way you know to be, pray. Be a worshiper of him throughout the week, at work, in the car, wherever. Be faithful to church. God is moving here. Keep hope alive. Don't let your dream die. And tell others about Jesus Christ. If you will position yourself like they were, you're going to have an encounter with God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you right now that you're the living God who definitely rewards those who diligently seek you. Lord, we see that Simeon and Anna did not encounter the baby Jesus by mistake. But everything in their life had positioned them for an encounter with God. Lord, we want to position ourselves for a God encounter in 2013. A new year of blessing a visitation from on high. I sense God here right now. And I want to speak right into your life. And I want to tell you, you have said in your heart, that's not for me. My life is too messed up. It's too confused. I've compromised too much. I'm not where I should be, and I don't even feel like I've got the desire to get where I should be. God is here today to encourage you and strengthen you, to give you an answer of peace. You can be set up for a God encounter. I want us to say together, can we?
Let's just pray to God if this is anywhere in your heart. Pray with me, Lord, in this new year. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to be distracted by other things. I want your best. I want a God encounter. Lord, grace me today to position myself for that divine encounter. It's that simple. Now, thank him that he heard that prayer. Just thank him he heard that prayer. You're not going to be in the same place at this time next year. You're going to go from faith to faith and glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the living God. You're not going to be in the same place. And if anything is standing in the way of you and God, give it to him right now. Let him take it so that he can give you so much more. In Jesus' name.